Okay, Philippians chapter 4. Today's part 2 of the series I kicked off last week called The Supernatural Life. Last week we talked about living in freedom. And if you missed that message, I encourage you to go to our app or website, podcast, and check it out. And I talked about living in freedom. A lot of us when we got saved and we got born again, either immediately or shortly thereafter, we got we got delivered. God set us free from, from certain things. For me, like bondage from, for me, drugs and alcohol and, and a depression. My dad had committed suicide five years before. And I was really struggling. I was in a low place in my life. I walked down this very altar right here uh, at, 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 this, at this point of the stage and radically got saved. And God began to deliver me from those things and set me free. But I talked about last week how it's, it's one thing to get set free, but you got to stay living free. And the way you do that, Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, is that we got to walk in the Spirit. we got to be guided by the Holy Spirit and not give in to our flesh or our sinful nature. And he chose the works of the flesh versus the fruits of the Spirit. And so I want to encourage you, again, to go listen to that if you weren't here last week, uh, and, and to, so we can continue to walk in freedom. It's not automatic. We, we have to make choices every day to surrender and to follow the Spirit's leading and not give in to the temptations and the works of the flesh. Amen. So today we're going to continue our series in Philippians now. Philippians chapter 4. I want to read verses 10 through 20. It says this, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you don't have, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At that moment, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we continue to give you all glory and honor, and we thank you, Lord, that, that you have given us everything we need to live a godly and a supernatural life. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me again today as I, as I preach and help us all as we receive it to apply this word to our lives so we can continue to increase in the supernatural life that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, there's no doubt in my mind, and if you read even just through the book of Acts, but through all the, the New Testament, that the Apostle Paul lived a supernatural life. Amen. He was writing this to the Philippians, to the Philippian church. He was writing them this letter. And his personal references at, at the close of this letter indicates that he was not a victim of circumstances, but Paul was, a, was victorious over circumstances. And see, that's what it means about living a supernatural life. Walking in freedom. Yes, it does mean miracles. And it does mean breakthrough. We, the Lord led us to just have an altar call on worship last week at both services. And, and man, I believe there was miracles that took place here last, that last week. And that's part of the supernatural life. But it's also being able to overcome. 
and be victorious in the face of the most difficult circumstances and situations that we go through in life. I want to read you a couple verses in this chapter again, but I want to read it from the Amplified, and it's going to set the stage for the rest of this message. Let's read Philippians 4, 11 and 12 from the Amplified again. Not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed are uneasy regardless of any circumstances. Come on, somebody. I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times, and I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. You see, in these couple of verses of Scripture, we see a connection between contentment and abundance. And I'll be honest, I've preached on both of them before, but when I was studying this week, I don't think I've ever preached them both together. But I see here in the scripture, there's a connection between contentment and abundance. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, I I preached on contentment, uh, I I don't know, sometime last year, and I got some feedback from, uh, not him directly, but about a young man who was kind of like, that message didn't sit well with him, because he's a young man, he's a young entrepreneur, and he's like, man, I don't want to be content. I feel like God's put it in my heart to do this and that and do business, uh, you know, start businesses and all that kind of stuff. So let me make this clear. Contentment is not complacency, nor is it a false peace based on ignorance. It's not complacency. And I'm explaining. The complacent believer is not concerned about others, while the content Christian wants to share his abundance with others. That's the, that's one first connection right there. Contentment is not an escape from the battle, but rather it's abiding in peace and confidence in the midst of the battle. You remember he said, I've learned to be content no matter what life throws at me. Whatever circumstances, I'm good. I don't get rattled, right? Verse 11, again, he says, I've learned to be content in whatever I have. Now, these two words, learned and content, in this verse are vitally important. The verb learn means learn by experience. See, us just like Paul He didn't automatically get contentment right after he got saved. Did any of you become content right after? No, Miss Miss Vanessa, like, put your hand down, boy. No, me neither, right? None of us have. Just like patience, it has to be learned. And that always encourages me when I see a mighty man of God like the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, he had to learn to be content. And it helps me out a little bit, right? See, when you want to become content, it's going to be through circumstances. Just like we always say, If you want to learn patience and you pray for patience, God don't just airdrop patience into you. How many of y'all know that would be awesome? If I offered that, this this, this altar would be full in a matter of seconds, right? No, he works patience in you by bringing people around you that you need to be patient with, right? He had to learn it through difficult experiences. Now, the word content actually means contained. It's the description of a person whose resources are within him, so he does not need to depend on substitutes elsewhere. Contentment is, is, is contained within the resources within us, and we'll talk about more about that later. As Christians, we're not sufficient in ourselves. We're sufficient in Christ, right? He said, I can do all things through Christ, right? Christ lives within us, and so he's equipped us for the demands of life so we can live a supernatural life regardless of the circumstances. In these verses of Scripture, Paul gave us three powerful spiritual resources to help us live a supernatural life of both contentment and abundance. Remember, he connects them here. So let's look at them. Number one, the overflowing provision and providence of God. 
Philippians 4.10, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Drop down to verse 15. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. See, Paul praised the Lord for the Philippians' financial help because he knew it was the Lord's provision through the Philippians that was working in him. You know, I've said that many a times over the years, uh, even be, be, before I became lead pastor, when I was one of the associates and youth pastor, and I'd help out, help people out that were in, in, in a bind, whether it be financial help or something. And people always are grateful. Well, let me say most of the time are grateful. That's a whole nother subject. But anyway, most people are grateful when you help them out. And they're like, oh, man, pastor, thank you. And man, I'm going to pay the church back and all of that. And I was like, no, man, you don't need to pay us back. And I said, I, I appreciate your gratefulness, but I always say, don't look at it as the church is helping you. Look at it as the Lord's providing for you through the church. Amen. And that really, that's really how it is, especially for faithful people, tithing people, people, servants like, no, you're sowing seeds of faithfulness. God's helping you. He's providing for you. But not only was it God's provision for Paul, it was God's providence operating. Now, what's providence? The word providence is the act of providing, watch this, or preparing for future use or application. In this sense, it is the, the care and superintendence which God exercises over all his creation. The word of God clearly teaches the uh, providential workings of God in nature and in the lives of his children. The word providence actually comes from two Latin words, pro meaning before. And you ever heard this word? The second Latin word is video. Ever heard that word before? The Latin word video means to see. Isn't that funny? God's providence simply means that God sees it beforehand. But it does not mean that God simply sees or knows it because it providence involves way more than that. It's the working of God in advance to arrange circumstances and situations to the fulfillment of his purpose. It goes back, he has a plan and a purpose for us, right? I told the guys this and I, uh, uh, Friday, I, I read from, from Proverbs where it says that God has created everything with his own purpose in mind, even the wicked for the day of destruction or for disaster. He has a purpose, his purpose and plan in mind. See, Paul experienced the divine providence in, of God in his life and his ministry. God in his providence calls the church in Philippi to become concerned for Paul's needs at the very time Paul needed help. That's providence. You see, God sees it happening and he lines it up. I was listening to a message this week and I heard this story. The Lord reminded me, I don't even have it in my notes, but there was an evangelist years ago and he was traveling through rural Oklahoma, just believing God, preaching from little rural church to rural church, didn't have much finances that they can give. He had a wife and five kids with him in his vehicle that they were just going from town to town. And one day, as he was traveling from one church to the next church, he didn't even have enough money to feed him and his family. So as he's riding around a neighborhood, he's just kind of turning, look like aimlessly, different blocks, different places. What he was doing, he was trying to be led by the Spirit of where to go. And as he turned down one street, uh, a little lady came out of her house and flagged him down. And she flagged him down, he wrote his window down, and he said, are you evangelist so-and-so? And she, he said, yes, I am. He said, well, I was praying this morning, and the Lord told me that you'd be in the neighborhood and to prepare lunch for you. Why don't y'all get down? Hold on. Watch this. 
They got down, and when they got down and went in the house, she had prepared a huge meal, and she had a place for seven people, the exact number that were in his family. Come on, somebody. That's God's providence right there. That's God's knowing that this man of God and his family is doing the work of the Lord. We're going to be hungry that they spoke to this little lady, and that's his providence, and through his providence was his provision. We see a great uh, example, one of, the, one of the best examples of this in Scripture as well, the story of Joseph, right? Joseph was, uh, brothers was envious of him in the book of Genesis. Joseph's brothers envy him, sold him to slavery when he was only around 17 years old. He was taken to Egypt. There God revealed through Joseph's uh, interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. There would be seven years of famine after seven years of abundance. And because of this, Joseph, during this whole time, eventually was elevated to second in command of all Egypt. 20 years he was separated from his brothers, and Joseph was reconciled with them. And as his brothers were freaking out and found out it was Joseph and knew he had the power to have them all killed, he realized that the Lord was working in all this. Listen to what Joseph told his brothers when they, were, when they, were, they found out that he finally revealed uh, who he was. Genesis 45.5, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. That's the providence of God. Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, Joseph talking to his brothers, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Even in this harm and this wrongdoing, he saw it as God's providence and provision, and it took many, many years. Now, let me stop and say for some of you, this is just a side note. For some of you, you've been done wrong. You've been hurt. And you're focusing on the hurt and the person. And I'm not downplaying. We've all been hurt. We've all been, you know, betrayed. And, and, and sometimes by the people closest to us. But guess what? What the enemy meant for harm, God still works out for the good. Amen. In his providence, he sees what's happening in your life. Just know when he sees your hurt, he sees your pain, he sees whatever's happened. But he can still work it out for his good. Romans 8, 28, right? Amen. Now, there's also a modern story in this very church about God's providence in a supernatural way twice. There's a brother that came with us to Israel and is also going to Cuba with us. He's sitting in this room today and he, he said I could use this story. I actually, I reached out to him and asked him because I heard the testimony of this. And so when I was preparing Wednesday, I reached out and asked if I can share it. And so he actually emailed me. I'm going to read some of it. But he was sitting in church with his wife, uh, Whenever I announced, I think at the beginning of this year, in the last year, I announced all three trips that my wife and I would be leading a group to Israel for a Holy Land tour and that we'd be going to Costa Rica and Cuba on mission trips. And his wife basically looked over, wrote down, hey, you're going to Israel and you're going on one of these trips. And he said he always wanted to go, but they didn't have the finances. Yes, they had some savings, but that's their emergency account. He's got a wife and kids. He's like, I'm not going to use that. And he, he said he even settled with the Lord. He said, God, you know what? I, I'm okay with seeing the new Jerusalem when we get there. I might not see the earthly Jerusalem. I'm okay with seeing the, uh, the, the, the heavenly one. But later, him and his wife was talking, and she said, no, you've been wanting to go. You need to go to Israel. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to go. We don't have the money for it. So three days after thinking he couldn't go, a business deal that he made 12 years prior came through. Now, the portion of the money was the exact amount for the Israel trip. Come on, somebody. 12 years before, that's God's providence. When that deal went down, he saw down the pipe 12 years ago and said, yep, this brother's going to want to go to Israel, and he needs to go, or he wants to go. His wife wanted him to go. And then she didn't even ask me. She said, which mission trip you want to go on? He's like, I can't go on there. She said, which one you want to go on? 
And he said, Cuba, I would love to go to Cuba. Well, the second one is just as equally amazing because a week before we left to go on the Israel trip, he received an envelope in the mail from his mortgage company, and it was a check for slightly more than the amount of the Cuba trip because his escrow account was over. That's God's providence. So he came to Israel, and he's, he's gone to Cuba, paid in full by the providence and provision of God. And if you know this brother, you know he's very humble, very grateful. I love his wife's faith. His wife was like, she wasn't taking no for an answer. Now, I don't believe it. She, she might even know these, these jacks were coming, but she had the faith to know you need to be going on both of these trips. And God provided, but it was in his providence he saw it all happening. Amen. I know there's a lot of you. Let me see your hands. If you could testify to something happened like that in your life. Where there was a need you had and somebody either sent you a check or somebody called and said, hey, you know what? Something's going on. Uh, I, the Lord put me, you on my heart and I just want to bless you with this. I need to pray for you. I need to buy this for you. And it was exactly what you needed, right? That's the providence of God. Amen. Now listen, life is not a series of accidents. Life is a series of divine appointments set up by God's divine providence. Amen. So we first, we got to look to be content and live in abundance. The overflowing providence and, and provision of God. Number two, we also have the over, unfailing power of God. The unfailing power of God. Look at verses 11 and 13 in Philippians 4. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full stomach or empty with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now listen, Paul is quick to let his, his brothers and sisters uh, in Philippi know that he was not complaining. Let me pause and say, you know that you're not content when you're complaining. Let me say it again, but I'm going to add myself to this. We know we're not content when we're complaining. The Lord gave me that this morning when I was going over my notes and I was like, I put it in there, but I, it was for me, but I figured I'd just share it with y'all as well this morning, right? I, I was guilty of that just recently, right? We, you complain and, and you know he wasn't complaining. He made it clear. See, his contentment did not depend on circumstances or things, but the joy that was deep down inside of him. The joy of the Lord that was in him. It was the power of Christ within him that gave him this spiritual contentment. Let's read Philippians 4.13 in the Amplified. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me. You see, all nature depends on hidden resources, right? Rivers have their sources from snow-capped mountains. The snows melt, and then that's where the river gets its water from. In Israel, we got to see in Israel the Jordan River, which is the main source of the Sea of Galilee. We even saw the two sources of the Jordan River, right? I even had a video I was going to show a little bit of this morning, but it had a couple of people on the trip, and I didn't get their permission in time to, to show them, you know, on, on Sunday morning. So, it, but... But, but every, the trees, trees send their roots down to the earth to drop water and minerals. The most important part of a tree is the part you can't see. Isn't that right? It's the root system. That's why when those water oaks in a hurricane, have you ever seen a water oak get just knocked over and toppled? The roots are very, very small. They're very sharp. We got two live oaks. I've said it many a times, right? Those live oaks, every time a storm comes, the roots actually go down deeper. They travel even deeper. And that's why I've tried to comfort my wife a few times. We first moved in. She's like, these big old oak trees, I'm scared. I said, babe, one now they're probably like 190 years old. I said, think about it this way. How many hurricanes have these trees been through and withstood them and they're still here, right? Because they got deep root systems. Unless we draw our deep resources from God's power within us, we will fail when we come against the pressures and circumstances of life. 
See, this whole being content is not with just material things. It's being content when you're faced with something that you're going through. It's being content in the resource of the power of God. What if you can't, can't call anybody or have anybody pray for you or anything? Will you be content to face the circumstance or the enemy because of the deep dwelling resource you have inside of you? See, Paul depended on the power of Christ at work in him. I can do all things through Christ was Paul's motto, and it should be ours. It, this verse is special to me as well because many of us quoted, but this was the verse, first verse that I ever memorized because my mom gave me a little magnet that I put on my refrigerator right after I got saved. So I saw it every day, and it was the first verse that I memorized. J.P. Phillips translates uh, Philippians 4.13 like this. I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives within me. The Living Bible puts it this way. I can do everything God asks me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. Notice the Amplified and the, the New Living says it, or I'm sorry, the Living Bible. It's focusing on our calling. And what God's told us to do. Some of you are like, man, I feel like God's calling me to do this, but I'd never be able to do that. Well, if he called you to do it, he'll give you the strength and the power to do it. Goes back to what we just prayed into. We just allow fear. We dwell on what can or can't happen instead of dwelling on the things of God, like his power within us. No matter what translation you prefer, they all say the same thing. As Christians, we all have the power we need within us by the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ to overcome the most difficult and demanding circumstances. Again, church, this is living the supernatural life. I'm talking about living supernatural, not just barely getting by, not just scratching from battle to battle, from, from, from paycheck to paycheck or whatever, from issue to issue. No, yes, we go through battles, we go through valleys, but we can be victorious. We can live the supernatural life. Why? Because of the strength that's within us. It's not our own strength. So I was telling the guys Friday as well, it's the strength of the Lord. In Ephesians 6, he says, now, brothers and sisters, one more thing, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, Jesus teaches the same lesson from the sermon of the vine and the branches in John 15. He says that he's the vine, we're the branches. See, a branch is only good for bearing fruit. Otherwise, he says, you cut it off and you use it for firewood. A branch can't bear fruit on its own self-effort, though. It must be drawn from the vine, or we see a tree, right? A tree can't do anything. Uh, a branch can't do anything if it's disconnected from the tree. Going back, we got two big oak trees. We also got a pecan tree. We've lost about half of our pecan tree now. And this summer was really bad, so dry, was brittle, just not even a, a bad storm, just heavy winds knocked, has knocked and cracked a lot of our pecan trees off. And what happens, y'all know, when a branch falls on the ground, it doesn't take long. Whether it's got fruit or leaves or pecans on it, it withers and dies. John 15, 5, Jesus said, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Does it say a little fruit? Much fruit sounds like abundance to me. What about you? For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I regularly pray these two scriptures together. I remind myself in the Lord as I'm praying and say, you've probably heard me pray from the pulpit. Lord, I cannot do this on my own. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But then I go into Philippians 4.13 and say, but Lord, I can do all things through you who gives me strength. Especially what he's called me to do, right? See, as we remain, the, the key is you have to remain. That word means to abide. You have to remain. You have to abide in him. And I think that's why we're not overcoming. And we're more sometimes living as victims instead of victors because we're not staying connected to Jesus. 
We're not abiding in his presence. We're having drive-by prayer, and then we're dependent on our strength the rest of the day or the week. We come through church on a Sunday, and it's great to be in church, but we try to use that to get us through the rest of the week. Ain't going to happen, church. You got to abide the rest of the week. You got to stay connected the rest of the week if you're going to live the supernatural life. Amen? As we maintain the connection and communion with Christ, he'll give us the power to live the supernatural life of contentment and abundance. So number one, we pull from the resource of God's overflowing provision and providence. Number two, the unfailing power of God. And the third and final thing is the unchanging promise of God. See, Paul thanks the church at Philippi for their gracious gift. He compares their giving to three familiar things that most of us and they would be familiar with. And first, it's the budding tree. Let's read Philippians 4.10 uh, and the New King James Version. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you care for me. Your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. The word flourish contains the idea of a flower or a tree budding or blossoming. You see, just like regular trees, the winter time's coming pretty soon. Hopefully, they said we're going to have a cold winter. We had a hot summer, so hoping for cold winter. Come on, somebody. They're saying we're supposed to have a cool front this coming weekend. Come on, let's pray and believe. Amen? Come on, if anybody was sleeping, they just woke up right there. They were like, wait, cool front? What? Okay. Amen? So, but when the winter time comes again, my, you know, my pecan tree, my fig tree, all that, that stuff, they look dead. But the tree's not dead. It's just wintertime, right? And then in the, 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 the stays alive. And in the springtime, it comes back alive. But what happens? A tree doesn't move locations, right? We all go through that spiritually as well. A tree's not picked up and moved. The circumstances hadn't changed. The difference is that the seasons change and there's still life in the tree that produces, right? We all go through winter seasons and spiritually speaking. We have those different times, but if you stay connected to the vine, come on, there's another season coming. We walk through the valley, right? But we walk through it. We come out of that season, and then we produce fruit again. Amen? Even, again, I keep going back to, to Friday night. I read this psalm that says you must be transplanted into the house of the Lord. The godly that are transplanted into the Lord's own house. Remember, it don't mean just church. House means the things of God, the kingdom, right? He says that you will produce fruit even in old age. Come on. Lasting fruit, much fruit, right? Second illustration he uses is an investment. Let's look at Philippians 4, 14 and 17, again in the New King James. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning, watch this, giving and receiving, but only you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent Aid once again for my necessities. Not that I seek a gift. He's like, I'm not looking, I'm not excited because you gave me this. This is what he got excited about. But I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. What was Paul talking about there? Paul saw his bank statement or something? No, he's talking about a heavenly account, y'all. By you giving to me, there's going to be fruit in your heavenly account is what he was saying. Paul looked at this missionary gift as an investment that would pay rich spiritual dividends. See, the church, it says there in New King James, entered this giving and receiving. And we know that's the kingdom principle. You will reap whatever you sow, right? 
So the church entered in and understood this. And that word account, actually, in the original language in the Greek, was the same term used for their money markets of the day as well. Interest which may accumulate in their accounts was an investment to him, just like us. You may invest in the stock market or different accounts, and you, you, you get an investment, you get a return on your investment. Paul was saying, listen, I'm not really not even excited about what you gave me. I'm excited about what's coming back to you. There's going to be rich spiritual dividends and financial. It could be material as well. But this shows we have a heavenly accounts church, and the Lord is the one who keeps the books. He'll never fail to pay out a spiritual or maybe even a financial or a material dividend when we meet the needs of others. That's why it's so important. Those of you that gave to Cuba, 10 of them are going to see some of that fruit in just a couple of weeks. Some of you may not. That's why we actually like to show pictures from mission trips to see where, quote unquote, your investment is going. Because you're investing in the kingdom, right? You see, and I thought about this. Why are we not living the supernatural life? Why are some people, let me say not all, why are some people not living the supernatural life? Why are some people not overcoming in hard times? Maybe it's because we're, we're looking too much at our physical bank accounts and not paying attention to our heavenly account. We're investing more in our, in our earthly accounts, our earthly stock market, our earthly uh, bank account, instead of investing in the kingdom. And I promise you, we can't ever give God. We don't give to get, but I'm just reading the scripture. The scripture teaches, he says he's more excited because of the fruit that's going to abound in your account. I love that. I love that. Let me go back to that, actually. Oh, I just caught that. But I seek the fruit that abounds in your account. Abounds. That's abundance. Come on, somebody. That's abundance. I just caught that after studying it and preaching it once. That word abounds. And that's what we're getting at right now. Amen. Lastly, verse 18, he uses as a sacrifice. Let's read it again. Philippians 4.18. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously surprised. That sounds like abundance. With the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. They are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul looked at their gift as a spiritual sacrifice laid on the altar as a, to the glory of God. The Bible refers to a lot of things we do as spiritual sacrifices. Our bodies, it says in worship, in Romans 12. The praise from our lips, Hebrews 13. Good works are a sacrifice to the Lord. Also in Hebrews 13, 16. Like you brothers that served, that cooked, that served. You know what? That was a sacrifice. And you might have not felt, I mean, it was a sacrifice of your time and some sweat. And some of you might be like, man, I wasn't a sacrifice. That was fun. But, you know, it was. And I tell you what. You brothers that cook, it was a sweet-smelling sacrifice. It was. That's why. Not only was it sweet-smelling, amen, blue, it was very good-tasting, amen, but it was. That, that's a form of worship. Blair, you cooking them ducks, and, and Bryson, Bryson cooked like three things. I can't remember everything. I got some in my fridge I'm going to eat for lunch. They, I got an overflow of some of that, right? But seriously, like, that was a sacrifice. Th those things we look at are we just cooking, but it's spiritual, because like I said earlier, all these men that got saved or that came back to the Lord, that was part. Y'all sacrifice helped these men come back to Jesus. Amen? And so um, in Philippians 4.19, he says this. Well, Paul says uh, see, he saw the offering as giving an offering to the Lord. And Paul did not see this gift simply from coming from the Philippians. Again, he sees it as a supply he needed straight from heaven. Let's read verse 19 again. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul's trust was in the Lord, and he knew that God would provide for them. And listen to me, church, us today in abundance, according to his glorious riches. You need to know there's no scarcity in heaven. There's no rations in heaven. Amen. 
Just like he says that his mercies are brand new every morning. Amen. So it's the same thing with us, right? And I'm not talking about just material things, so don't get it twisted. Some of it is. You do reap what you sow, but I'm talking about in every aspect, spiritually speaking. I think sometimes we give financially and we reap spiritually from it. Maybe emotionally, maybe relationally. You sow into somebody, maybe financially, and maybe God helps you alone restoring a marriage or a broken heart or grieving. So it's not, you know what, I just know this again. There's a heavenly account and whatever the Lord wants to dish out of it, I'll receive it. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, but the Lord's faithful to do so, right? Look at the contrast in verse 18 and 19. It's like Paul was saying, you met my need and God is going to meet your need. You met one need that I have, but God will meet all your needs. You gave out of your poverty, but God will supply your needs out of his riches in glory. Now listen before we close up today. Let me make it clear. The Bible says God will provide all of our needs, not all of our greeds. Amen? All of our needs, not all of our greeds. There's some things we don't need. Now, they're going to make you think you need it. How many of you have already gotten 250 ads about the new iPhone, right? And just like, oh, an iPhone with titanium? I need that. No, you don't, man. Come on. They've been, you, you might want it. It's fine if you could buy it. But, but they make us think like we're not going to survive if we don't have this, right? I like how Brother Larry Myers says it, whatever I have, I need. What I don't have, I don't need. Amen? And again, it's nothing about, look, you can upgrade and get free phones and all that. I'm not, I'm not against the, 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 getting the new iPhone. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that there's things that we, we, we kind of, the, the line gets close with needs and greeds. So we're talking about, just like he says, I can do all things through Christ. And some people put that as a blanket statement over everything. The context in here was in contentment and was also in circumstances. And, 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 and so I just want to be clear before we go forward. When the will, when the child of God is in the will of God, serving for the glory of God, then they will have everything they need. The great missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, often said, when God's work is done in God's way for God's glory, it will not lack for God's supply. And it's a great missionary to China. Man, this is really cool. We had years ago, some of you remember this, Brother Timothy here, who's actually a pastor in China. And his grandfather was a descendant of someone who got saved through Hudson Taylor. It's really a blessing. And now he's serving the Lord, and he's actually leading churches, underground churches in China. And so it's all to the glory of God. We were doing God's will, God's plan. I, again, I, I didn't even know that that, that song was going to be on the set list. Never heard it before this morning. But when we, when we serve in according to God's purpose and plan for God's glory, his promise is an unchanging promise and that he will supply all of our needs. And again, but it goes together. Being content, being content with what you have, even when it's little, and when you have abundance and God does supply and you're willing to share it with others. And that's why Paul ends this section. I'm going to end this message the way he did in Philippians 4.20. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. Whether there's little and we're content or we have abundance, all glory should go to God. It should bring God more glory. Again, these stories about that missionary, that evangelist and the brother in the church, God gets the glory for that. Tell him, you know this brother, a lot of you do, humble guy, and he's just blown away. And even just God encouraged both of us because whenever he was speaking, actually, you know what, let me, let me uh, I'm not going to read it for time's sake. But when he went home and was praying that night, I think it was after the Israel one. 
God spoke to him and said, listen, I'm just showing you, it doesn't matter the money you have or you think you have. He specifically said, I will supply all of your needs. When he sent me that testimony, he didn't even know what my message was on. I just said, can I use your, your story as an illustration? It just confirmed to me. God had spoke Philippians 4.19 to him, right? And it confirmed that, that God was speaking to him and for me. Amen. So as we close today, what did Jesus say in John 10.10? 10? A lot of you can quote it. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is about the abundant life, the abundant supernatural. I heard somebody say, what, what, we, he said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. I've heard somebody say, which side of the comma are you living on? Are we just living life? Are we living an abundant life? Amen. The supernatural life. And again, I don't mean, I'm not just talking about just material things and all that. A supernatural life that's full of God's purpose and plan and fire and the Holy Ghost and freedom. Amen. And, and, and doing God's will for your life. See, God wants to meet your temporary needs, physical needs, all that. But first and foremost, he wants to meet your eternal and spiritual needs. Yes, God loves you and wants to bless you abundantly. But first, he wants to bless you spiritually by removing your spiritual debt of sin and give you the free gift of eternal life. Again, many men raised their hand Friday night. We talked about this heavenly account. Well, some of us, all of us at one point, and some maybe still in here today, we have a heavenly debt. We have a sin debt that's impossible to pay. But God sent his only son to die on the cross for us, to pay our debt for us. Romans says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. That word death is an eternal death because the next line says that it's eternal life. He offers, he gives through Christ Jesus. But just as we have to allow him to direct our lives, we got to allow him to come into our lives. And it starts by making a decision to repent of your sins, turn to Christ and surrender as we talked about doing this morning. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? just out of respect for others, out of reverence for the Lord. This is the beginning of the abundant life. The one thing you shouldn't be content with is your sin. The only way to live an abundant life is you have to be in a relationship with Christ. You must repent of your sins and, 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 and ask the Lord to forgive you. You know, I, I told that story again last, Friday night and how we had the and I told some guys we were hunting with yesterday, some guys I was hunting with asked me where my church was and everything. And I told them, and a young man, younger than me, said, man, I just went to a funeral over there a couple weeks ago. I said, yeah, Tara's funeral? He said, yeah, I did. I said, yeah, um, 43 years old, young lady. I was telling these guys that some of you are young in here, maybe you watch it online. It shows you we're not promised tomorrow. Young people get sick, people get in car accidents. Things happen. And plus, y'all, we living in the end times. We're living in the last days. And I believe that with all my heart. But what if today was your last day? Where would you be spending eternity? We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Eternal death or eternal life. Eternally separated from God or living in the glory of God and the true supernatural life for all eternity. If you say, Brandon, if today was my last day and I breathed my last, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I haven't been living the abundant life. I've actually been bound up in sin. I want to move from being bound to abundance. I need to give my life to Christ today. That's you. Just slip up your hand. That's you. Say, man, that's me. I need, to, I need to get saved. Young lady, I see your hand over here. More importantly, the Lord does. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Say, that's me. That's me. Thank you.
Thank you for being bold. Or you say, you know what, Brandon? I was once living the abundant life. I was walking with Christ. But you know what? I walked away. Young man, I see your hand over here. You say, today's the day. I need to resurrender my life to Jesus. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, that's me. That's me right now. Come on, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Other hands going up. I see you right here. I see you. More hands going up to my left. Thank you, Jesus. More importantly than me seeing you, the Lord sees you. Would you lift your hand again just to the Lord? And let's pray together. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and that, that, uh, that, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Come on, let's pray together. Can we all pray this together as a family out loud? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Lord, I know that I've sinned. I repent of my sin today. I turn to you and I surrender my life to you. Holy Spirit, would you help me to live the abundant life and the supernatural life every single day. May my life glorify you in all that I do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we rejoice with these today? Amen. If you made a decision for the first time or first time in a long time, there's a connection card in the chair in front of you. Fill that out. We got a Bible for you. My wife and I would love to meet you after the service. The rest of you, if you don't mind, stand up and don't leave it. And nobody's slipping out just yet. We're going to close in prayer. Listen, if you're not connected, come out to Man Cave. If you're a guy, come as a couple. Guys, come to Man Cave. Get to know some guys. Get connected. Get in a life group. Ladies, come to Thrive Night right here. Your ladies will be meeting in the main auditorium. Guys in the A building. Now, I know we prayed earlier, but after hearing this, and some of you may have some real needs. If you say, Brandon, I got a, a very uh, a need in my life, I'm, I'm believing God to provide. Why don't you slip up your hand one more time and let's pray. I'm a, come on, I hope faith dropped in you today. Faith dropped in you. And maybe some of you, you have it all. You have abundance, but you haven't been content. You need to repent today and ask the Lord to forgive you for not being content. I want to pray for both. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you would for, forgive us. Come on, let's repent. Those of us that, Lord, that, that we have an abundance and we hadn't been content. Maybe our eyes have been looking to and fro or we've complained. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. We pray you would forgive us. And for those that have a, a need, a miracle that they need in their life, you shall supply all their needs according to your glorious riches that are given to them in Christ Jesus. Lord, I know you've called us to live a life of freedom and a life of abundance, the supernatural life. You steal Jehovah Jireh and you own the cattle on a thousand hills. So I pray release that provision through your providence, Lord, divine providence. May we see through the scriptures and these testimonies that you already see. We're way before we see you know it all, Lord, before our first breath, what we would need and you're lining them up according to your will, your purpose and plan. So Lord, we pray your kingdom come, you'll be done in our lives, these situations, and may you get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus we pray amen and amen well god bless you we love you if you need specific prayer want somebody to pray with you come down to the altar we'll pray with you if not see you wednesday night men at man cave and ladies at thrive night be blessed have a great day we love you guys